Welcome to Mental Awareness Discussion, the MAD Podcast, with Miles Weber, Heather Weber, and Susan Thompson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the MAD Podcast, the Mental Awareness Discussion. I'm Miles Weber. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, my lovely wife, Heather Weber. Hi. And also from Canada, Susan Thompson. Hey, y'all. Welcome. Right on. Thanks for coming as always, guys. And our show, as always, is brought to you by Broken Drift Productions and Banana Bros. I don't have a Banana Bros shirt on today, but I do have a, a Big Pine Comedy Festival shirt on. So, uh, yeah, we'll be brought to you by that, too. Go ahead. Submissions are open. Uh, submit to Big Pine. It's a lot of fun. So uh, today uh, we are going to talk about depression in the media. And I thought that I, we knew the perfect person to have on to kind of help us deep dive into this and pick it apart. She is uh, she's been a standard comedian for a long time. That's how I've known her. She's also a very good friend and a very talented person and human being, just a wonderful person and also a wonderful mom and Aww. a wonderful wife. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for our guest today, Miss Steph Garcia. Hey, Steph. Hi. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. That's an awesome intro. Yeah, you're dope as shit, girl. Absolutely. Oh, oh yeah. We tell people oh, all the time. So, yeah, we miss you, too. So thank you so much for, for joining us. Why don't you kind of break down uh, to the listeners a little bit about you and your perspective on mental health, a little bit about mm. your own experiences with it and depression and, and, and yeah. other things that you might want to get into? Um. So before you press record, I was going to tell you how weird it is that we're doing this because um, this month is five years since I went on that show. That's wild. That's wild. And, um, you know, I've always suffered with some sort of depression and anxiety. I didn't know it was called. I didn't know it was anxiety. Mm -hmm. I literally just thought my brain just didn't work right, which I was right, but it really wasn't working for me. Um, um, my mom suffers with depression. I'm, I've heard hers did. So it totally runs in my family. And, um, you know, I, I, uh, grew up in a, not a great environment mm-hmm. and, uh, my, you know, my, um, I was exposed to a lot of stuff early and, um, I experienced sexual trauma when I was very young mm-hmm. under the age of five, we think. And, um, then again, in my teenage years with my stepfather and, um, that led me to some really dark places that, uh, I filled, I filled the space with being busy. Mm -hmm. So if you knew me as a teenager, I was busy and obsessive about everything. And I had three jobs. I had two jobs. I was upgrading my car. I was very busy. I was also living on my own at 17. Um, if you knew me when I was 18 through 20, I was no 23. I was a wreck. I was a mess. I was making terrible decisions. Uh, I had a lot of money because I had a really good job. I was really lucky there, but a mess. And then I met my husband and probably for the first, you know, 15 years of our marriage, um, I suffered in kind of in silence. Like we knew I was a little, I suffered, but didn't really uh, address it too much. Um, some things happened and it started bubbling up in like 2016. Um, and I was, uh, I didn't know I was being triggered. I don't, I didn't know all of the words, <laughs> all yeah. the mental health awareness words now, but I was really being triggered by someone I uh, worked with mm-hmm. and, um, I couldn't figure out what, well, I mean, 
I felt it throughout my entire body. Like my, my stomach would get tense around him and just my hair would stand up on the back of my neck. And it was like, I was scared of him. And it was just a weird energy that was very familiar, but felt familiar as I was a kid. And so things started kind of bubbling up then, but I didn't really capture it um, until I quit that job and became, I decided I was going to do comedy full time. And the first few months, um, I mean, I've been in it for 15 years by now, this will be my 17th year, but the first few months went great. I was booking a lot. And then I got booked onto a, um, a network TV show. I don't think I can say which one it is, but, um, you don't have to, yeah, we could keep it. Yeah. It okay. was a reality show. Yeah. Yeah. It was just a reality, you know, uh, chef show or whatever. And, yeah. um, the show itself was fun. The interaction with people was was cool. It was a really weird thing. And I was already starting to spiral. I mean, this is us looking back five years ago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was Father's Day five years ago this year. And I got on a plane and I left my uh, daughter and my husband and my little guy. I mean, he, he was four years old. Uh, and I flew across country, which flying is super scary to me. I totally believe in past lives. I've died in plane crashes. Like I, it's ridiculous how scared I am to fly. Um, got on that traumatized myself on two flights to New York, finally get to New York. We get put in these little rooms and they take everything away from you. And I knew this was going to happen because it said it in the paperwork, but you just kind of don't think someone's going to take your phone. <laughs> like, even though I said it and I signed away on it, yeah. I was like, they're not going to, I can have my fucking phone. I mean, I just flew cross, cross country like I'm on the other side, you know, and it was just wild. You walk in and everything goes in a bag and you feel really uh, vulnerable real fast. And now you're sleeping, you're bunking with a roommate. Uh, mine was from uh, Australia. She lived in LA, but she's originally from Australia. Mm. And luckily we got along. long story. I could go on and on and on. And I oh, don't know sure. how much I would share, but long story short, they took away everything because that's what makes the show they know what they're doing they took away everything so that we focused on each other they took away everything so that we wouldn't leak secrets about the show in case it became a big show it didn't but in case it did they they did what they said they were going to do and my brain broke and so did two other girls that i was there with and i haven't talked to any of the guys since then but um and we all ended up in therapy afterwards and it wasn't because of the show it was because of the isolation yeah. Um, I experienced isolation for the first time in a, I mean, a long time. I think when I was a kid, there were periods of time where I did. Um, so I started having memories and flashbacks and, uh, I'm trying to get over feeling shameful every time I say that, but, um, and then I wasn't sleeping and you know, if, if, um, in that industry, we were taping it at like 5 AM to like 7 PM. But you'd do that three days in a row and then you'd sit for two days and you'd get an hour on your phone and you weren't supposed to go on the internet. You were only supposed to call your family. Uh, I did go on the internet, but like, and that was it. And then it felt like I was in jail and I never want to go to jail because I, I can't even imagine. Um, we didn't have TV. We didn't have a radio. We didn't have a newspaper. We had books. Um, we had like two books. I'm trying to remember what else. There was no clock except for on the microwave. Oh, it was just Jesus. creepy and like weird. And then every day, you know, you wake up and like, you have to go be happy and film this show and be competitive. And 
Um, so I was medicating. I was taking Sudafed because mm-hmm. Sudafed usually helps my brain calm down because I had undiagnosed ADHD. So Sudafed would always help me focus. So I would pop a couple of those throughout the day, but then I couldn't sleep. So I'd be popping Benadryl to go to sleep at night. Um, I got hurt there. I fell. I, um, I got a, a horrible rash on my legs and had to go to the ER one night. <laughs> like, uh. like a lot of shit happened and I had to do that all by myself and no phone, which if you don't think you're addicted to your phone, I promise you, like put it down for like five days and just no TV and no phone. You will, I think a lot of people would lose their mind. I think when COVID came around is when I finally connected the dots in my life and said, that's why I went through that five years ago because I don't think I would have survived COVID. That's mm. too long and it's in my fucking right here in my face. And it was just me and my son. Like my 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 husband worked every day and my mm. my daughter moved out. And, and so um so the isolation brought up repressed memories, which then when I came home, I just never felt right. I didn't feel the same. And one day I got up and I I I had really bad thoughts. Um like the dark, darkest thoughts you could think of. And, um, and I knew that was wrong and it wasn't me. And I was home with my kids alone and I started to get scared. Like, I really want to leave right now and like go run into traffic or go take my car down the, you know, and hit a big tree, just go into coma. I didn't want to kill myself. I just wanted to fucking leave. And I was feeling guilty and like I was a burden. I've, I've heard that a lot actually about the past year. And uh, I think it was in Bo Burnham's latest Netflix special that he just released, uh, that he spent the whole pandemic recording and editing himself. Um, but he had, he had, there's just a little moment where it's a blurb and I've heard a lot of people be like, yeah, that he was like, he's like, I don't want to like be dead forever. Right. But if I could just like die for the, if I could just be dead for a year, (laughs) Like that would just re- just, you know, just check out just this day, hop right back online, pick up right where I was the, exactly. but just like a year, 18 months, just just oh dead for that. Like. And so it seems like <laughs> that hibernation, just a yes. little bit of hibernation like bears. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Just do yeah. all the sleeping at once. So, yeah, that does seem like you're not alone in that at all. I don't think I am. Um you know, that day was, is fuzzy. The next few days are fuzzy, but I ended up, um, calling my daughter. I called my doctor right away. And I said, um, it was almost like I was having, um, a hallucinogenic trip. Mm. My eyes were tweaking out on, um, we have these big trees outside and, and and it just, they just looked like they were fuzzy and just kind of doing that moving thing. And I'm like, something's wrong. Like nothing. You might have a heart attack. Yeah, oh, it was a scary day. And I got to the doctor and I told her everything. And um, and they they took my information, brought in a caseworker, called my husband, and he's like, You were you were a few words away from going into a 72 hour. And I'm like, well, fuck, I wish I knew those words. Right. <laughs> I was looking for that. No, I'm just kidding. Right. I um I just wasn't coping. So I ended up uh, in an outpatient therapy program starting um, two days later. And for seven weeks, I would get up in the morning like I was going to work. I would have to check in by nine and you check out at three and uh, you do six hours of hardcore therapy, one on one group, um, meditation, uh, 
they're also running simultaneously running tests um, and blood work. And out of all of that, I came out with uh, a diagnosis of PTSD from childhood uh, sexual trauma, mm. which makes sense. Um, and anxiety, of course, and depression, which are one and the same. And But I almost think that it's more ADHD now that I'm medicated. So it's kind of a weird thing. Um, and uh, I ended up getting a therapist. It took a while, but I got a therapist and she's been my therapist now for two years. And she's incredible. We do a lot of great work and, um, and I'm cured. So like I'm cured. It's just great to be cured. Just kidding. Well, well I want to definitely take a point to acknowledge, uh, the strength and the oh. courage in you to be so open and honest and transparent with us <laughs> about everything and your story and leaving no stone unturned and everything. Cause that takes a lot to really just kind of go, Hey, yeah, no, this is real. This is what's going on. This is what my journey was like. And, and, and I yeah. think it's so important for people to hear so that it, folks know, <laughs> Hey, yeah, no, I mean, this is, this is not uncommon. This is, this no. is just not discussed properly. You know, uh, what were, were there any specific techniques or anything that your therapist, cause I mean, I, finding that right therapist is so crucial and people don't understand that trying out therapist is a thing. Yeah. You got to yeah. wait until you click and you're like, Ooh, okay. Yeah, no, I vibe with you. There's something here yeah. that it's like, okay, yeah, no, this works. So were there any special techniques like cognitive behavioral therapy that you found to be, uh, more helpful than others in, in coping? Yeah. The, um, the program I was in was a, a DBT program. Mm -hmm. So dialectic, dialectical mm -hmm. talking, um, mm -hmm. and, um, the behavioral therapy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, um, it was really, it was like going to school and learning about how to, how to compartmentalize your feelings and how to stop yourself from, um, well, it gives you tools so that you can try to stop yourself from the intrusive thoughts. I have a lot of problem with intrusive thoughts, which can manifest as impulse control issues. I'll say something really off filter, not meaning it. Um, uh, so they gave me the toolbox. It's up to me to use the tools. Mm -hmm. uh, when I use them, it's things are going good. But like I told you guys before this was recording, Things are going really good right now. And I'm getting that anxiety feeling, that anxious, like, it is too quiet. Coming it is around. too, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and there's a, yeah, I don't know. So anyways, I did DBG therapy. And then I went through four different people to try to find a therapist I clicked with. And I didn't. And then I didn't have a therapist for about a year and a half. And then I met somebody at this gym I was going to. And I didn't even know she was a therapist. We just started talking one day. And then a couple weeks later, she told me she was. And I I never looked back. She's amazing. That's She's incredible. the best. When yeah. you find somebody organically like that, yeah. that's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Like when I first saw her and went in there, I said, you know, I'm having so much anxiety. And like, I don't want to be on anxiety pills my whole life. I don't know, but pot works. But then I feel like I'm a pothead and I feel like that's bad. And she's like, but it works. And I'm like, yeah, but I mean, you're a professional, like it's a drug. And she's like, but it works. Like if it's working, does it take you away from your kids? You know, and she went through the whole thing and, and kind of, she's making me feel a lot better about uh, plant medicines and natural medicines that, you know, I want to explore. Um, she's amazing though. She, 
I just, I don't feel judged by her and I feel like I can do anything and say anything in front of her. And as long as it's not like, I'm going to kill you or myself. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Where, uh, whereabouts are you? Um, I'm in, I'm outside of Sacramento. I'm in a little suburbia town outside of Sacramento. Okay. So yeah, like I, I don't, I'm find it odd only because when you said pot works and I'm kind of going, okay, Canada, maybe it's a little more accepted now. Like it's legal mm. across the board here. So you can use it, uh, medicinally or you can right. use it it's medically so you can use it re- recreational here i do yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Me, i do but there's a oh, guilt. it works <laughs> oh yeah it works yeah um mm-hmm. there, but there, I there guilt. used to be yeah there used to be a but guilt yeah you're like oh i can't believe it's like a crutch you're like oh i can't believe i have this crutch right. it's like no no if it's helping you function yeah and it's and you're not using it excessively then no yeah go right ahead like yeah i told i told my my you. yeah i tell my thank you i tell my kids you know it's uh they're growing up in a different generation. I don't want them to feel guilty. It was very important to me to raise my daughter and tell her, you're going to party when you get older. And once you get out there, like I would really appreciate it if you did this leap, this stuff, as opposed to drinking. Like mm-hmm. if you yeah. look at just statistic wise and what, what alcohol can do to your body. I mean, it's just, it's crazy to me how brainwashed we've been. Also speaking of brainwash, can I just say um, my experience is different. And I realized that I took advantage of my privilege to get the medical services that I needed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this should be available to everybody, yeah. not just a Roseville hospital, yeah. not just to uh, me. Yeah. Um, not just your very, community. It should be nope, all the communities, not community. just like a middle class or upper class. The, the, the lower you. class should have the same coverage, too. And the quality shouldn't dip. You shouldn't nope. have to be subject to. I remember when we lived in California and we had terrible health care and I yeah. went to a doctor's visit and it was like in a Chinese store. Like <laughs> there, it was connected to like a Chinese store. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know that I should be paying this much to have this experience Wow. Uh, See, so, yeah. This is fascinating to me that you guys go through this. Like, oh, no. it might take us a while to get help because we're up here in Canada and it's, uh-huh. it's covered across board. But generally, you, you will have across the board, it will be the same care from Vancouver to Surrey to Saskatchewan to Manitoba to Ontario. Like, it. I kind of gauge, I kind of gauge like when Americans move to Canada and start using Canada's healthcare and everything, I can tell what type of healthcare they had in America based on their opinion of Canada's. If they're like, it's not that good. It's really shitty. Then I'm like, Oh, you had the good hoity toity. You had the taken care of healthcare. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, You you were in a family that was like in the middle of country or like a cop or something like you were taken care of. And if the Americans that moved to Canada, are like, this is dope. It's I just pay out of my taxes. I just show up. It's great. I'm like, you had the shitty with simpatico we had, had the, the same HMO, right you had the oh HMO. Yeah. Well, yeah not even that men later it's probably just h honestly <laughs> we, could, we, <laughs> we can't even afford the mo if i'm being completely yeah. frank it's, it's crazy i mean I, I have to pay oh. out of pocket i have to pay out of pocket for my therapist but, and therefore i there's been times where i can only see her once a month or once every couple months yeah. depending yeah. on the budget you know and um but yeah uh I know that Sutter and Kaiser, the two main providers out here, do offer those programs. I also know that if you are on government assistance, I don't think you're going to a Sutter or Kaiser doctor, and that's ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I don't think that uh, we should wait for adults to break before we give them some DBT. 
uh, or CBT. That that kind of cognitive and dialectical therapy, as soon as they they hit puberty, start giving them a class. Mm-hmm. They put it in their human yeah. sexuality class or whatever. But for start it when they hit. Yeah, when you hit puberty, everything kind of shifts. I I I will I think oh, I'm not a doctor, but like that that ninth grade through twelfth grade, you should have a financial course and a ther- a, a, a mental course. Like that some of you are going to be fucking mentally ill. It's just going to happen. Okay. And these are the things to look out for, and these are the resources. And you're not alone, and you're not weird. You yeah. know, um, some of you are going to be on the spectrum and not get diagnosed until your 30s or even 40s. Some of you have ADHD that's going to be, some of you are going to have to process your trauma because you had a yeah. shitty, mm-hmm. and some of you had an awesome life and you're still going to have to process trauma at some time in your life. So here's some skills that you can fall back on. The stuff I learned there was, um, it was fascinating and I'm so glad that, uh, <clears throat> Uh, I'm going to cry. My daughter was a senior, my, a junior, a D- so DBT, like dialectical, dialectical Di- behavioral Di- therapy, behavioral therapy, uh-huh. DBT, and then there's cognitive and there's dialectical. Yeah. I, uh, we have, I think the cognitive behavioral therapy yeah. for dummies, don't we? We have a book on both. We have the dialectical cause my therapist started with me on that. And then we have the cognitive too. Yeah. Somewhere in that bookshelf behind you. Oh yeah, it's down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, we yeah. got the, we got it. Absolutely, it's very, very important, very beneficial. DBT can word. be useful in treating mood disorder, suicidal. Wow, for the change of behavior patterns such as health, self harm, and substance uh, substance use. That's amazing. Like, I've never heard of this. I mean, it's yeah, oh, it's, it's important. Amazing. It's yeah, it's yeah. it's teaching you how to cope because yeah, yes. that's such a that's such a thing, especially in the men. Like, I mean, I'll say, oh, I'll say yeah. it till I'm blue in the face. Yeah, These broken the boys, the stick. we're really trying, we're playing catch up right now. Yeah. I mean, the conversations are at least starting to happen, but I've been trying to talk through as many of, you know, my brothers in society as it were about like, Hey man, like, I mean, figure your shit out. You know, yeah. I mean, there's going to be, it's not supposed to be this way. You know what I'm saying? And it's just, you can't treat people that way and just learn it. A lot of it's just, they don't know how to cope. And so they're yeah. just, they're hurt. So they're just lashing out Dirty because out. The, the, mm-hmm. the idea of sitting in your shit and like actually feeling it and then laying bare and whatever that feeling brings you, which is usually crying or breaking down, that isn't, that is more terrifying to most men than, you know, the destruction, which is just, yeah. oh, I'm just going to, I would just rather like lash out, yell at you, cuss you out, never have you as a friend again, and just break this than have to like sit in my shit and actually figure out how to cope with it. So that's where like DBT, CBT, all these types of like self talking therapy is so crucial is because it teaches you how to cope. I had to go over that with my therapist for a long time for years was CBT because of like trauma and stuff from when I was a kid. And then in my twenties again. So yeah, Yeah. I totally get it. It's extremely beneficial. So I'm glad that that helped with you, but I want to, um, kind of pivot to like towards the media things. Cause I feel like oh, it, yeah. it's a perfect segue yeah, from segue. your experience yeah. in, you know, on the reality show where things were obviously not ideal and it wasn't necessarily to do with the show running. It was the right. isolation and everything. Right. Um, but I do think like there's just been a lot of 
there's probably been a lot of negative connotations with mental health and depression and everything. And just the, the views the media has had over it sure. over the years. What do you all think? And Heather, we'll start with you. Like, is there anything you think of when you think of like the media's portrayal of depression or the messaging behind depression? What do you think that you've seen over the years, like years ago to today? Has it gotten better? What do you think's going on? I mean, it's hard because I feel like there's part of it when you look at the media that has been the cause of adding a stigma to mental health illnesses. But then there's also a part where it's like they try and be an ally and raise awareness. But I think it's just unfortunate that uh, unless it's the month or the day, you know, mental awareness, whatever, and we put up, you know, a certain post that day, um, it just kind of gets brushed to the wayside the rest of the year when it doesn't fall on those special days. Um, you know, unless there's some big traumatic event that happens, you know, in the country or in the world, and then we'll, we'll look at it again. But other than that, I feel like just the media kind of brushes it away. Truth. Truth. Yeah, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And I, 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 like I said, I think the conversation, and that's why I feel like starting this podcast off with depression was a good starting point. Cause I feel like that's kind of where society's at, right? Like totally. I feel like depression is, I, I hate to say it this way cause it's going to come off as insensitive, but you know what I'm saying when I say it's the easy one and it's the easy one. Cause it's, it's so everywhere. Like you don't have to go too far outside of your home. It's readily available, readily available. Yes, exactly. There, there, you don't have to go far to find depression actively happening in someone close to you's life or just in general, you know, on yeah. your, your day to day, there's just depression popping over. So I feel like the media now, like that the conversations are happening. I feel like depression is probably the one that is becoming most widely talked about, sure. um, and accepted. Um, what do you, do you think, I mean, Steph and Susan, do you think there was any stuff from like old, I'm trying to think of like old movies, you know, I'm thinking like one flew over the cuckoo's nest and things like that, where they're kind of portrayals of what mental illness quote unquote was, yeah. you know I mean? So I'm just trying to think of those type of things with depression because we've got, we're like, we went over a list earlier about like some movies that got it right. I'm just trying to think of some where it's like, they got it wrong. And it was like, oh yeah, that wasn't good. Probably every teen movie that we all grew up with, mm -hmm. teenage angst, like yeah. they just, I, when I remember, yeah, that's probably when I started going through it. Like I think about it, I go back now and I'm like, oh shit, I wasn't just being a teenager. There was something wrong. Mm -hmm. And parents just like, oh, they're just, you know, they're teenagers. It's girls. Yeah. Well, like, like we just teenage don't girls. know what to do. It's what did you say, Heather? It's always teenage girls in the movies. There's not yes. teenage boy depression movies. It's always or if there is, he's yeah. Or if there is, he's getting violent and killing something. I was gonna say or that, or that's called extreme outcast. Or yes. The, uh, I, I was gonna dog. say that that's called Rambo. And you're, <laughs> the movie you're thinking of is Rambo. First Blood. Filmed down by my place. Hey, look at you hey. with the humble brag. <laughs> but yeah, that is kind of, that, I mean, right? Like, I mean, the, yeah, you're right. The teen movies are kind of from that that narrative of, you know, it, it, yeah, the, the woman being emotional or she's an emotional or an angry young woman or, or you yeah. know, whatever the, the only is. one. The only one that I can think of that got it right was, did you ever see The Breakfast Club? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's the scene in The Breakfast Club when they're all sitting around, and Anthony Michael Hall was talking about how he had a flare gun in his locker, and he couldn't have a D. He couldn't have an F. He just couldn't. And he was talking about he was going to kill himself. And mm-hmm. I, that conversation started to get real. It wasn't seen very much at that time. Um, I mean, John Hughes movies can be kind of all over the place. It can be ridiculously stupid, like you've got Weird Science. But then you had that one where it finally did get down to the heart of those kids and what was destroying them. You had one that was being abused by his father. You had one that was the absolute princess that her parents could have cared less if she lived or died. You had one that was the absolute outcast that nobody even bothered to focus on or even knew mm-hmm. was alive. And then you had mm-hmm. Andy Michael Hall, who was the absolute nerd that you seemed to, we all seemed to think that this kid had everything going on. He was going to be the one that goes on to be the massive success realizing that he dealt with some really real issues and that one i re- i watched it just the other day because it happened to me on tv but that one's always stuck with me mm-hmm. for sure yeah no that's true i think the, that kind of is the the anchoring thing is whenever suicide is kind of brought up that's where we can kind of pinpoint oh yeah that was probably some depression right like going because i'm thinking to like um the saved by the bell that storyline with uh jesse with that i'm so excited right like that's always the one pills the caffeine caffeine pills pills, right but i mean like she was going through some shit you know i mean so but obviously the caffeine pills is not going to be that bad but i mean like yeah i'm just i'm trying they can be bad there, that's speed. Oh, yeah, this is true. That'll get you all jittery. It did mm-hmm. definitely with her. And then sometimes you make showgirls after that. And that's okay, too. So <laughs> okay. it's okay. It's okay. Get paid, girl. I'm not mad at you. So um, you were saying? It's what? Vegas, baby. Right. Um, I, I know um, on the subject of a couple movies I've seen that kind of seem to have gotten it right. And it was in that list. There's I don't know if you've seen World's Greatest Dad with Robin Williams. Yeah, what is it? Yeah. Oh. I noticed as soon as I saw his name, like, I love Robin Williams. Like, when he passed away, that was yeah. that was the first time that somebody that I really looked up to was gone yeah. through his own turmoil. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and that, uh, for sure, now having, you know, knowing what happened with Robin, that movie is very difficult to watch. Um, but it's really good. Bobcat Goldwave, uh, wrote and directed it, I believe. Um, so I gotta watch that. Yeah, you do, but you gotta be ready. Be ready for that one. That one's heavy. (laughs) I'll do that when I'm in bed one day. I'll wait for a real down, down, and then I'll I'll watch it. Yeah. Tissues there and I mean, the, 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 the story is, but without giving away everything, just the setup is he's, I believe, a principal of a high school, I believe, or a, a teacher. No, I think he's just a teacher at a high school. And his son is a teenager, goes to high school, and he's just a piece of shit. He's just not, he's a ter- terrible kid. He's awful. But of course, Robin Williams' character is awesome. And the kid's awful. And then he ends up... Um, Oh, he, I'm reading this now. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he dies. He accidentally kills himself. And, you know, the way that people accidentally, a, a, a man might accidentally kill himself. Uh, and uh, Robin Williams' character ends up writing his suicide note uh, to try and, like, 
leave a positive picture and then it gets leaked at the school and then it's just this the whole and the movie ensues and it's this whole thing about how he's perceived versus reality and so it's just but the whole thing about i think it really hits with you know depression obviously after losing someone close to you you know i mean and just the that heaviness and depression of like we still gotta it's the crying clown right like the show must go on you know, we still when yeah. depression hits you and you still have work to do and 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 what have oh, you we yeah. still have things That's, to go. Working from home has kind of been a godsend when it comes to having those deep, dark days where you just don't want to get out of bed. You can put your laptop in your bed and you can get by and you can work and you can do your work. Um, but I, I, I really enjoyed working. I enjoy working from home now. I really enjoyed working from home last year, even when I had bouts of depression. It was still manageable. So mm. I thought that was a, you know, good thing, but I hear you. I don't know why I just said all that. No, you're good. You're good. I uh, have a Robin Williams movie on my list. Yeah. What is it? What dreams may come. Maybe is it what dreams may come. <laughs> that's a heavy one, man. That was that, on TV today. Oh, that's was such it? a, yeah. It's so that good. On, uh, it, it is so yes or something. It's so good on wow. so many levels from the soulmate love story to suicide, to depression, to accidents happening to, it, I don't know. I thought that was a pretty flawless movie when it comes to lots of different mental illness things, lots of different, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think it definitely covered a lot of bases and was a very emotional movie. I, I, I like the aspects of that movie where kind of, you know, being in hell as it were, um, yeah. when even though there, there was like a brief moment where he had found her and everything. And there's kind of this feeling of, uh, closeness with them and like, all right, the mission is accomplished and yeah. it doesn't matter that we're in hell. Right. Together, together and that's yeah. that's all that matters but then there's a brief moment where i think he says something like it's really cold and like and and it just kind of starts to set in and i think that's what some people's depression can be like in regards of yeah your depression today might not care yeah. that this person is here mm-hmm. and and so i think that's something subliminally that uh you could really latch on to in that movie just the feeling of like yeah hey, hey man it just it's just, this just might be your, your number right now. Yeah. And yeah, I know you're in line at the grocery store, but Hey, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, this is where we're at and it'll just kind of all dump on you. You know, I think it portrayed a, a good, um, um, from the spouse's point of view. Yeah. Like he didn't suffer with depression. Like she did. She didn't realize in regular life, you know, and, and it was like, he would go to the depths of the earth for her. Mm-hmm. But he knows he's not going to, he will never save her. He, he can't, there's just going to always be a veil. Mm-hmm. And that's just, you know, I think that when he said that line, I, I remember what, what, I don't remember the line, but I remember what you're talking about. It, it was almost like him going, like, am I going to really sacrifice everything? And, and sometimes I feel like my spouse does that. But then I also go, eh, he probably just has unrepressed trauma too. And he needs to work on that. <laughs> <laughs> don't we all right i think it's gonna, oh, yeah. I think it's, gonna it's gonna hit you at some point uh, I, I know it's it's not on our list but if you get a chance check out brain candy kids in the hall okay. okay it was early 90s and their kind of take on is uh how do we make everyone happy all the time 
It's mm. so pharmaceutical wise. Rather than actually tackling the real problem, mm-hmm. why not just medicate everybody? Yeah. Well, of course, I won't give it all away, but there's an issue with the medication, of course. Mm. The story, mm-hmm. I mean, it's definitely not something for everyone. It's a real mm. satire for sure. It can be a little dark at times, and it's mm-hmm. Canadian comedy to a T. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I love Canadian that, yeah, comedy. We, oh, yeah. Well, the fact that we don't still to this day medication we still view medication as bad um mm. or we don't want to talk about the problems so medicate it just keep quiet about it don't talk about it and miles you brought up a perfect point like men we still seem to be in this don't it make you have weakness don't it don't let anyone see where you're coming from and you can't you can't have that weakness you got to be the man you got to be the the head of everything and I think that that's that's the problem. Is that they see it as a weakness? Mm-hmm. They yeah, see it rather as a than not a weakness. You, no, it's, it's yeah, like just you talk about the stuff you've been through and what you've gone through to make yourself better. I'm like, if you know what you're dealing with, doesn't that give you a leg up? Yes, it's it a does. strength. It's a yeah, it's the opposite. It's a huge strength yep. to admit that you're not perfect. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the media does a terrible job, and they're forever feeding us. Um, yeah, they one they demonize what we all deal with. I know no. all of us deal with something on very different levels on the spectrums. Mm-hmm. Uh, they yeah. demonize it, and then on top of it, then they're kind of going. You've got Bell Media going. Oh, it's Bell Media Day. You know, we know what you're going through. Tell us about it. So these companies, mm-hmm. they're not really doing it because they want to do the right thing. They're doing mm-hmm. it to make sure that they are in focus of we care. It's advertising. It doesn't feel genuine. So anyone that's really dealing with it. I, I, I don't, I'm cynical yeah. about it. I don't buy into it. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. Men, you guys are still getting the short end of the stick and I mm-hmm. really would like to yeah. see things change on that. So they need to, yeah, we need to bring, we need to raise our sons to know that they're going to struggle and it's okay. And it's okay to ask for help when you don't feel like you're going to be okay. It's human. I like her. Yeah. I like we- her. <laughs> Well, we talked, we talked to yes. Chelsea about that, you know, and, 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 you know, she's a mom of a five-year-old boy. And so with her and Chance, she's trying to work on emotional intelligence with them. And, and like, it's okay yeah. to be sad. All right. You're sad. All right. Let's talk about it. You want to cry? Oh, okay. It's fine. We'll cry. All right. You want to cry here? You want to go in the bedroom and really have it out? Like, I mean, let it out, man. Like, this is your, don't, this is your time, man. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's fine. We'll, we'll be okay. And so, uh, that's so crucial. That's so important. Cause and we talked about on the podcast, I got the opposite of that, which is I'll give you something to cry about. Like, stop it. Right. Just stop. Yeah, me too. Your, yeah. your, your noises and your emotional outbursts right now, it's hurting my ears. And I just don't, yeah. I don't, it's hurting my ears. I don't want to just this, the me, I'm not caring about you in this moment. Uh, yeah. Your breakdown isn't my problem. Uh, and so, yeah, we just, we're, we're, we're trying it, it, but it's, yeah, it's kind of a ground up thing, right? You know, we, we, we're going to start hook them when they're young, uh, you know, as far as and, like, I mean, luckily I think that, um, this next generation that's coming up, not only are they amazing with, with their voice, but I think that they also know that little people are people too. And that their, their rate, I can, I feel like people are being raised a lot differently and, um, yeah, I mean, I'm raising a, I'm raising a white male mm-hmm. in America. Oh, it, yeah, it's, it's up to me. It, it is a hundred nine, and that's, uh, that's hard. That's hard. It is. It's it's a tough. Um, but you know what? 
uh, I only have one shot to do it. And so I'm not going to be apologetic about how I do it, even if I lose family members, which I did last year and that's fine. But, um, it's, it's time for a different generation in my, in my genealogy. It's time for a a new, an empathetic white male. And, and, you know, my brother does a really good job. My brother is caught in the middle, you know, he's 35 now, I think. And, oh, he's a wonderful single. Is he single? He is. He's single. He owns his own house. He's a he's a captain in the Navy. Oh, keep talking. He looks like Macklemore. He looks like Macklemore. He oh, has yeah. a dog. Can you message me after? No. Yes. Yeah. He's pro therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yes. It's 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 wow. a lot of rewiring to, to get out of. I'm telling you. I mean, uh, coming from the white male hood himself. It's I understand. It's a I lot do. to undo. You know, but it takes work. It takes work. You got to show up every day and just, I'm not going to be a piece of shit today. (laughs) Not today. (laughs) It's really hard. Check. (laughs) I'm telling you, man. So, but I do, uh, I do want to bring it back and and add to our, because I like that we've got a little list of growing of of movies that were like, oh yeah, they did it right. And that was good. Uh, Another one I want to add, and it was on that list. That's a very underrated mental health movie. It's called, it's kind of a funny story. Oh. With Zach Galifianakis. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's so good. That yeah. That's like if yeah. they reimagined like a one flew over the cuckoo's nest, but tried to make it about mental health. You know, like yeah. I mean, that's just they really addressed it. You got the kid suffering depression, checks himself yeah. into a psych ward because he's like, I want to kill myself, and then just being a teenager in an adult psych ward with people who, I mean, at the juxtaposition, you're kind of led to believe like these people have actual problems and you're just kind of a kid, but he's like reaffirming the entire movie. Like, no, this isn't kind of what you were talking about. Like, Oh, they're just a young emotional girl. He's like, no, I'm not just this hormonal teenager. Like I'm really this is really happening. Like I'm really feeling these things and you see it where it's like his parents in his mind are trying to talk him out of it and everything. And he's just feeling all this weird guilt. And so that's another one that I think yeah. really nailed it. Did a, crossed a lot of T's and dot a lot of I's. You know, I'm going to have to check that one out. Yes. Uh, I think the character um, Myra on Schitt's Creek, the mom, okay. the mom nails <laughs> depression nails depression from an entertainment level Mm -hmm. so think about it like she really she's a washed up actress that lost everything and her family adores her and and tolerates her as much as they can but they love her to death even on her darkest days when she's in the in the uh uh closet Mm -hmm. you know even Mm -hmm. on her most narcissistic days where she's like i'm killing it Mm -hmm. even on her sweetest days where the veil comes down and she gets a little vulnerable with her kids. You know, it's, it's, a, uh, it's, uh, yeah, my, my mental health pillbox is her. <laughs> and, it, and it says I would, I could kill for a coma right now. <laughs> that's amazing. Yes. Oh, that's She's, awesome. But, um, and in, another Canadian gem, I might say. Oh, she is. I didn't yes, know that. She is. Catherine oh. O'Hara, uh, second city and Shit's Creek. Oh. That's done by CBC and, yeah. yeah. Amazing. Just they, they do it very well. They do it very well. For sure. What about, uh, did you guys ever see the perks of being a wallflower? Mm. Yep. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's another good one. All right. Now. I think it's like 1950s. He's released from the hospital. Uh, so well, they remade it. it. They remade it. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had it came out with it again, and the remake was very yeah. well done. Yeah, that one's it's actually really good. Like I'm reading up on again. I'm actually writing a list as you guys are writing. I'm mentioning these titles. I'm like, okay, I'm starting a list again. Yeah. Of things to watch. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're very good. I think it's good to have the list of like this is where these are the ones that are doing it right because we could sit here and we could tear down where it's done wrong all the time. But I think the way forward is always like, yeah, no, here's some yeah. good because th- that that's kind of how we learn, right? As yeah. humans, we really digest things through story the the easiest. You tell a good yeah. story and you can sneak some lessons in there. You know, that's, that's definitely optimal for sure. I, I can't imagine, um, you know, when you talk about the celebrities who go through it, like, um, Demi Lovato, uh, mm. Selena Gomez, even mm. Justin Bieber, he good for him for talking about his mental health. Um, when you look at these kids who are growing up in this technology era, um, one of the things about growing up is leaving your past behind mm-hmm. and these kids, don't get to do that. It's always going to be in the media. It's mm-hmm. Ju- Justin and Selena are always, and that relationship could have been her most traumatic breakup of her life. And she's always going to have to see it and be reminded of it. I don't have to be like that for my biggest breakup. Mm-hmm. You don't, you know, like we all escape that, but yeah. you, there's no escaping it now. It, mm-hmm. And, and, and people make money off of it. And like uh, the Brad, Brad Pitt and, and Angelina and like, leave them the fuck alone. Like yeah. they're just people. And the, you, we already know they're all fucked up because they're actors and actresses, which can cry on a dime and like change themselves. Like most of those people, it is known, did not have great upbringings um, and became amazing actors because of it. And I think, you know, I mean, we all do that in our comedy as well, yeah. you know? Well, I think there's a lot to be said for, you know, the 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 entertainers and those goal driven people and depression, because I mean, there's I mean, with the kids and stuff in entertainment, it's like you're kind of set up to fail. I mean, there's only a handful that got out to the other side that seem on the surface to be halfway decent. But even then, you don't know anybody like I mean, you only know people. Even the people looking after them were just as damaged. Exactly. Yeah. You only know what somebody shows you. And right. so, but I do want to kind of go over some of these celebrities real quick because there's a point that we'll kind of wrap this up on that I think that I personally know I can speak to. And I'm sure that you all can as well. So here are some celebrities that suffer from depression. The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, suffers from depression. Uh, Katy Perry, John Hamm, Lady Ooh. Gaga, Michael Phelps. J.K. Rowling, Kristen Bell, Bruce Springsteen, Gwyneth Paltrow, but I mean, she's weird. Um, <laughs> everybody else, though, on this list. And, but there's something to be said for like Michael Phelps, right? Um, there's this type of a post-accomplishment depression, as it were. Yeah. Um, and, and I can speak because uh, I know like in celebrities, this is very, very common. And whenever you're chasing those goals, me personally, I felt this um, after my dry bar comedy special came out yeah. sure. because I had spent my whole life being like, I really want to do something that is widely released to people. Like I want to do stand up, And then something told me like, you're really a comic if this happens. And so I had spent forever just romanticizing this thing in my head of how it was going to be and what it was going to do. And just this whole, you play a million stories in your head and then it finally happens. And then there's this weird drop off when you're done. Yeah. And yeah. this feeling of like, 
what do I do now? Like, yeah. well, now what? And then, Why is uh, my phone ringing? yeah, Why or like, I don't feel sad. Something's empty. Uh-huh. Yeah. I felt like yeah. this would be different or like, I don't know. I just, I just don't feel something feels off. And poor Heather had to deal with this. She saw this firsthand where there was a good month or two, I'd say, where I was just kind of, mm, meh. I don't know. Where I was like, I don't even know if I want to do this anymore. Sure. Absolutely. You know? And no, so I think, no, no. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Oh, don't worry. I'm, I'm still going. Oh no, no, no. Yeah. Okay. I'm like, I, I, I I meant, gonna, I'm like, do I have to get another flight? No, you're good. <laughs> I, I meant like, I don't, I don't know if I want to do comedy anymore. Not like life. Like I no, was no, like, no. I mean, even that, no, no, you're, I, you're <laughs> well, thank you. No, agreed. Agreed. I, no. I appreciate that. That is just as devastating to you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, no. but, but yeah, I was like, I don't. And so I had, and so Heather was like, why don't you call uh, somebody you look up to? And so I called uh great Barrett, oddly enough, uh, who is always been a comic I look up to, and he's always been a massive mental health advocate. And so I hit him up and I was like, Hey man, I just want to talk about like, is this a thing? He's like, yeah, it's a thing. Yeah. He, and cause he's doing a lot of like life coaching and stuff and counseling with entertainers and some comics. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. It's a very common thing that once you finally get that big thing and when you're chasing that goal for so long and you finally get it. Yeah. Like the day feels great, but then there's just something unsatisfying about everything that happens after that. And I think it speaks to, you really got to enjoy the journey, but have, have any of you experienced any, uh, times in life where you were like, Oh, I accomplished this thing. And it should be the best thing ever that you tell yourself you're going to ride high with this to the grave. And then that didn't happen. Has that happened to any of you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Heather, you want to start with yours? If you, if you can. Yeah. Mine is like this never ending thing. Cause I work with, you know, primarily fighters, And so in my head, I was like, oh, well, if I work with one big name, then I did it. And this is great. And then I got there and I was like, "Okay, well, now the next one. And so it just it kept pushing the goalpost further and further. I was just like, this is great, but this is great. But so everything just kind of kept moving on and on. So, yeah, with my job and then especially even just getting hired on as like the first woman in my industry to do everything I do. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. And then I rode that high for a little bit. And then I was like, "Okay, well, now what? So, yeah, totally. Steph, what do you yeah, think? For sure. The show, the show yeah. broke me mm-hmm. and, uh, and it changed my whole idea about entertainment and those kinds of shows. And, um, uh, I came back, I was a different person for, uh, you know, mental reasons, but it also showed me a side that, uh, I thought I wanted to be famous and on a show and like be acting and doing this and that. I don't think so. I don't think I have it in me. Uh, I don't, I don't want to be on film um, as much as I thought I did. I never want to be on film. I just don't mm. want to do that, mm-hmm. which is weird because then I recalculate my entire comedy plan and go, well, then what are you going to do with it? And now I'm just kind of at peace with the fact that um, uh, I'm cool doing the shows I want to do no. and I'll do them good. I promise, but I'm not going to be, aching to travel to New York to I'll probably never perform in New York. And I'm totally fine with that, <laughs> you know, but five years ago, I wouldn't have said that. I would have said that was the goal. So, you yeah. know, I get it. Oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, Susan, what about you? It was, it was two actually. Cause I work, 
um, comedy and industry. So, I mean, the first few weeks that I was running Laughlin's Comedy Club, I managed to secure, like, Doug Stanhope. Like, that took a hell of a lot of work. And all of a sudden, it's like, the night comes and he shows up and the show went great and everyone was happy. And then I'm like, okay, now what? So, yeah. you think that's going to be like, oh, great, I'm in. Like, everyone's going to want to be here and this is going to be great. And, it, and it, when it doesn't happen, it doesn't, it, it, it's just this, yeah, empties. And then... um not that long ago, I managed to book a tour with Jeremy Hotz, and then when it finished, and you're kind of like, okay, um, COVID's happening, stuff's getting shut down, yeah. uh, we're up, we're not, we're up, we're not, and now you're kind of going, okay, it feels like you got to start over again. It's this weird, fresh, we all feel like these fresh beings, and you're like, I want, okay, can I do this? Am I strong enough to do this anymore? Am I strong enough to keep going into those rooms and keep trying to do this am i going to be able to because my thing is just like what miles said is that dealing with after you're like that's what i have trouble with i'm like okay can i can i work oh our audio cut out yep There we sure. are. There we are. Where did uh, where did I miss you? Just the last couple of sentences. Okay. Yeah, like it, it, like exactly what you were saying is you're kind of like you finish a chapter and you're like, what okay, now? Emma. Yeah, it, but it's that I have trouble with them that's closing that chapter and going on to that next goal. Am I strong enough to go on to that next bit? I think I, I think the. The obvious answer to all of us is, duh, of course we are, because I think that's called life, right? The next challenge and the next challenge, the next challenge. I think I think the phrase I'll be happy when dot, dot, dot is a death sentence. I agree. Uh, That is just you out loud expressing how unhappy you are right now because you are so far away from the point that you were tethering all your happiness to. And I think that's really, I mean, they, we it's so cliche, enjoy the ride, man. But seriously, enjoy the ride, man. Like it's kind of, it's yeah, be in the moment. You're it's right. kind of the point, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, I that think if we could, right. yeah, if we can actually stay in that moment more, we'll probably experience a little bit of less of that cliff jumping off. Right. You know what I mean? Cause, mm-hmm. cause as entertainers, that's just, it's just the constant uh, all the way up, all the way down. Uh, it, it is the roller coaster of the entertainment industry where we are, we're chasing the, we, it's so tempting to, Oh, the TV show, the movie, yeah. the credit, the, this, the, the, it, they're all such, here, here, here points to draw out on a map and then you end up missing the whole map. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, yeah I, I, I think really it's just a better understanding of play the game. The game's supposed to be fun. Don't just strive to be done with it because yeah. then you're just going to be like, well, now what? <laughs> if, if anyone's looking for a good resource, I know we were mentioning celebrities that deal with depression. Lady Gaga has an organization called Born This Way. She's got some amazing information on there, especially for LGBTQ, um, but she's got some great stuff for depression and she's not afraid to admit she takes medication. She's Mm -hmm. not afraid to talk about it and they're trying to change some things. So I've kind of gone through it. It's a a pretty damn good organization she's got going on. 
That's dope. There's also Nami. She doesn't do well, which is upsetting. What's that? Uh, There's also Nami. It's a National Alliance of Mental Illness, um, and they're advocates, and they're in every pretty much every town uh, or every major city in the United States that I know of. And you can go to them and get free or low cost resources because you know we don't we're not covered by medical here for that. But um, they they have a lot of resources and they're a really good organization. I know it's crazy. It really is. Ours, it takes a long time to access it. Like mental health is not a priority. Like if someone comes in and they're having a heart attack, of course, yeah, I get it. That's sure. first. But we we forever put mental health at the back. Like, oh, it can wait. It can wait. No, we're getting to a point, especially now with pandemic. It can't wait. These people yeah. can't wait. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody was triggered last year. I really think that the isolation people experienced last year, like I, when people talk about it, I'm thrown back into five years ago when it's such a deep void. And it's, um, yeah, it was, it's, it's bad. I mean, people need help. I know that for sure. Oh yeah. I got up, I got up a plane in Las Vegas. You guys were at a hundred percent capacity. Canada was almost 99% still locked down. So to get off that plane, the anxiety was mm. through the roof and I didn't realize how much I missed people. Like yeah. I, Heather and Miles are lucky. I didn't like throw them to the ground and hug them. <laughs> I was so excited to be around other people. I'm like, oh my God, they're real. Yeah. Like humans yeah. are not meant to live that way. We're meant to live. Agreed. As, we're, we're pack people. Pack mentality. Pack. There we go. Nah, humans, oh, seriously, yeah. leave, me, leave me the fuck alone on a Friday night for a couple hours, please. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pack mentality. We're all <laughs> in this together, but like, I need to go. Yeah, for a walk I'm right. the mom. Leave mom alone for a minute. That's yeah. a mom talking. I'm like, just yeah. give me an hour. I need an hour. Yes. Seriously, lock the bathroom door. You're like, this is my space. Yeah. That's it. That's it. This is mine. Oh, that's awesome. Pretty much. Talk about too much with social media. Do you get mm. like detoxes or breaks from social media just to kind of reset? Yeah, I should. <laughs> I'm not I as active on Facebook. Too much. Go ahead. I focus too much on social media at times. Too much. I need to remember that. People are showcasing the best possible scenarios for themselves and the mm-hmm. people around them. It's not real. I just worry. I used to worry about what people thought too much. I, I'd post something and really go back to either get that ego boost or um, of people agreeing with me, or I'd get into a fight online because it was fun um, and I wanted to win. And uh, you know, your your ego is not your amigo. That is a phrase that has stayed with me for a long time and. I get it now. Um, Facebook's not great. I, I think Facebook's super toxic for me. Um, Instagram, I only do Instagram because every picture I post prints out into a book and those are our family al- uh, albums. Yeah. And then uh, TikTok, I'm fucking addicted, dude. I'm so into TikTok. Like it's stupid. And I know, is it good for my mental health? Probably not, <laughs> but it is Fun. I think so I think if you got your algorithm on TikTok as such a way where it's mostly like dogs and a lot of oh, those eh, jokes, I think you're yes. probably fine. It's fun. Yeah, it's oh, mindless. Yeah. I to me, TikTok is kind of the mind dump, right? Yeah. Where all the and others mine's all, cat, mine's all cat videos and like people impersonating you. 
<laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure. They came up on my feet. I was like, I know that voice. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, it's dope. Yeah, I'm not too bad with TikTok, but like, I think managing the social media. I mean, like, we all need to take breaks from it. I mean, just as an entertainer, I know we're tied to it. But my yeah. thing is lately, and it's been a joke that I've been recently telling on stage is, uh, if I, you are not allowed to have any of my joy if I cannot prove that you have pants on. <laughs> if I cannot prove oh, that you are wearing pants while you were talking shit to me online, then you are not allowed any of my joy. You can add to it, but you cannot subtract from it. That is my diet. And I have lived a very happy social media life for the past few years just by keeping that diet. You're awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's my rule. That's my rule. So, and I think it's pretty, pretty airtight. Um, well, uh, I think that's probably... Uh, that's an hour. Decent place. Yeah, it's an hour. It's probably a decent place to to wrap up. So, sure. Steph, I want to thank you so much Anytime. for being on the podcast. I, I don't sure. know if you want to give a shout out to any. Where can people follow you online or find you? Um, silly Stevie on TikTok. Uh, silly underscore Stevie. She was just a nickname of mine. Um, and on Instagram, it's Steph Garsha. Uh, if you're friends with Miles, you can find me. And don't add me on Facebook. It's not worth it. I'll do that. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. And then uh, Susan, where can people find you? Uh, I'm not doing the TikTok thing yet. Uh, Instagram, Susan Thompson. Ha ha. Uh, I think you can. Oh, she cut out again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, and she froze. Look at that. Oh, goodness. <laughs> this is good, right? She's doing real good. That's a good one to freeze on, too. That <laughs> That's good. That's really good. She's so distressed. <laughs> oh. I'm back. There we go. Oh, there she is. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So, uh your Instagram and everything. Me again? Yeah, yeah, cuz you oh, cut out. Okay. okay, yeah. Um Instagram Susan Thompson ha ha. You can find me on Facebook Susan Thompson. Um I believe Twitter's both the same thing Susan Thompson ha ha. Uh, or you can find me. I'm in and around town looking for comics, etc. I'll be trolling the neighborhoods. You'll see, you'll see me. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, dear Heather, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram at Bodies by Heather. Bodies underscore by underscore Heather. And I have a TikTok. I have like five followers. I don't know why. I've <laughs> once, um, and that's too many for my comfort level. So <laughs> go on there. <laughs> It's fair, it's fair. And you can find me at Miles Wilbur Joker on all the things. So uh, thank you so much for joining us as always. Uh, we'll be back next time with another episode of the Mad Podcast. I'm Miles Weber. I'm Heather Weber. And Thompson. There you go. Right on. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.